Chapter Six of the Story of Sitka by Clarence Leroy Andrews. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Rita Boutros. Chapter Six Social Life At the top of the Kikur, or the Baranoff Hill, as it was called in recent years, there stood a building occupied during Russian days as a residence by the chief managers of the Russian-American Company. The one known to the residents and visitors of the earlier days of the American occupation was known as the Baranoff Castle, although Baranoff himself never lived in it. There were three, if not four, different buildings which occupied that position. The first to be placed there was built at once upon the founding of the post, and is described by Resanoff in his letters to the company as being a very unpretentious building and poorly constructed. Before the close of Baranoff's administration, however, according to the account of Captain Golofnin, it was an establishment well built and furnished with some degree of luxury. The structure known as the Baranoff Castle, which stood on the hill at the time of the transfer to the United States, would seem to be the third building constructed on the site, was completed about 1837, and was burned to the ground on the morning of March 17, 1894. The historic building was the scene of many interesting events, and sheltered many distinguished persons. The first mistress who presided over the mansion on the Kikur was Madame Yanovsky, a daughter of Baranov and the wife of Lieutenant Yanovsky, the third chief manager of the Russian-American company. Lady Rangel was the first to come from Russia to preside as the first lady of Sitka, and she was succeeded by Madame Kupreyanov who is said to have crossed Siberia and the Pacific Ocean to accompany her husband to his post. Sir Edward Belcher gives a spirited account of a ball given in his honor in the castle, which was then, in 1837, just completed. He says, The evening passed most delightfully, although few could converse with their partners, English being spoken by few at that time in the capital of Russian America. Princess Maksutov, the wife of the last chief manager of the colonies, came from St. Petersburg, but died soon after her arrival, and the stone which marks her grave may be seen on the hill between the two cemeteries, near the site of the upper blockhouse. Her successor, the second Princess Maksutov, young and beautiful, presided with grace and tact over the mansion until the transfer of the territory to the United States. She was one of six Russian ladies present at the ceremonies, and is said to have wept when the Russian flag was lowered. There is a legend of a beautiful princess whose ghost haunted the castle for many years, the story has been told by many at different times, and is one of the romantic tales that cluster around the old metropolis of the fur-trading days. Her lover was sent away, or killed, through the influence of an Oberoffizer who sought her hand in marriage. Eliza Ruhama Skidmore, who wrote so delightfully of Sitka in her journeys in Alaska in 1883, says that, 
By tradition, the lady in black was the daughter of one of the old governors. On her wedding night, she disappeared from the ballroom in the midst of the festivities, and after a long search was found dead in one of the small drawing-rooms. The chief managers entertained lavishly, and the dinners in the castle were events long to be remembered. They were well worthy the representatives of a rich and powerful company, a corporation with a domain that was greater than the realm of many a royal ruler. Into the sumptuously furnished and richly decorated dining-room came the bishop and priests, resplendent in the official robes, the naval officers glittering in their gold-laced uniforms, the secretaries, accountants, storekeepers, all in the uniform of the Ministry of Finance, the masters and mates of the ships in the harbour, the guests in their best apparel, all gathered around the hospitable board of the chief manager. At times a hundred sat at the table, and back of them dined the cadets of the naval school. After the dinner came dancing, and until morning the gaiety went merrily on, for Russian cheer is proverbial, and their hospitality is lavish. Usually the captain of the port, the secretaries, three public and two private, two masters in the navy, the commercial agent, two doctors, and the Lutheran clergyman dined with the chief manager by general invitation, Sir George Simpson tells us. The civilian masters of vessels, accountants, engineers, clerks, and bookkeepers dined at a club which was organized by Mr. Etelin, and they lived at the old clubhouse a little to the east of the church. A wedding was an elaborate affair, a bridal cake which figured in many mystic signs, tea, coffee, chocolate, and champagne. The ladies attired in muslin dresses, white satin shoes, silk stockings, kid gloves, fans, and other necessary appurtenances. After the ceremony of an hour and a half was consummated, the ball was opened by the bride and the highest officer present, and the dancing lasted until three in the morning. Easter was an event of much hilarity after the close of Lent, which was strictly observed by all. From morning to night everyone ran a gauntlet of kisses. When two persons met, one said, Christ has risen, while the other replied, He has risen indeed. And then followed the salutations. These seemed not to have been distasteful to visitors, although one remarks that most of the dames had been more liberal with other liquids than of pure water. Throughout it all was a continuous peal of bells, for the Russian is fond of bell-ringing. All carried eggs, boiled into stones, and dyed, gilded or painted, which they presented to their friends. End of chapter 6